Section two of Selections from the Principles of Philosophy by Rene Descartes, translated by John Veitch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of the Principles of Human Knowledge. Sixteen. That prejudices hinder many from clearly knowing the necessity of the existence of God. Our mind would have no difficulty in assenting to this truth if it were, first of all, wholly free from prejudices. But as we have been accustomed to distinguish in all other things essence from existence, and to imagine at will many ideas of things which neither are nor have been, it easily happens when we do not steadily fix our thoughts on the contemplation of the all-perfect being that a doubt arises as to whether the idea we have of him is not one of those which we frame at pleasure, or at least of that class to whose essence existence does not pertain. 17 that the greater objective representative perfection there is in our idea of a thing the greater also must be the perfection of its cause when we further reflect on the various ideas that are in us it is easy to perceive that there is not much difference among them when we consider them simply as certain modes of thinking but that they are widely different considered in reference to the objects they represent and that their causes must be so much the more perfect according to the degree of objective perfection contained in them for there is no difference between this and the case of a person who has the idea of a machine in the construction of which great skill is displayed in which circumstances we have a right to inquire how he came by this idea whether for example he somewhere saw such a machine constructed by another or whether he was so accurately taught the mechanical sciences or is endowed with such force of genius that he was able of himself to invent it without having elsewhere seen anything like it for all the ingenuity which is contained in the idea objectively only or as it were in a picture must exist at least in its first and chief cause whatever that may be not only objectively or representatively but in truth formally or eminently eighteen that the existence of god may be again inferred from the above thus because we discover in our minds the idea of god or of an all-perfect being we have a right to inquire into the source whence we derive it and we will discover that the perfections it represents are so immense as to render it quite certain that we could only derive it from an all-perfect being that is from a god really existing for it is not only manifest by the natural light that nothing cannot be the cause of anything whatever and that the more perfect cannot arise from the less perfect so as to be thereby produced as by its efficient and total cause but also that it is impossible we can have the idea or representation of anything whatever unless there be somewhere either in us or out of us an original which comprises in reality all the perfections that are thus represented to us but as we do not in any way find in ourselves those absolute perfections of which we have the idea we must conclude that they exist in some nature different from ours that is in god or at least that they were once in him and it most manifestly follows from their infinity that they are still there nineteen that although we may not comprehend the nature of god there is yet nothing which we know so clearly as his perfections this will appear sufficiently certain and manifest to those who have been accustomed to contemplate the idea of god and to turn their thoughts to his infinite perfections for although we may not comprehend them because it is of the nature of the infinite not to be comprehended by what is finite we nevertheless conceive them more clearly and distinctly than material objects for this reason that being simple and unobscured by limits they occupied our mind more fully twenty 
that we are not the cause of ourselves but that this is god and consequently that there is a god but because every one has not observed this and because when we have an idea of any machine in which great skill is displayed we usually know with sufficient accuracy the manner in which we obtained it and as we cannot even recollect when the idea we have of a god was communicated to us by him seeing it was always in our minds it is still necessary that we should continue our review and make inquiry after our author possessing as we do the idea of the infinite perfections of a god for it is in the highest degree evident by the natural light that that which knows something more perfect than itself is not the source of its own being since it would thus have given to itself all the perfections which it knows and that consequently it could draw its origin from no other being than from him who possesses in himself all those perfections that is from god twenty one that the duration alone of our life is sufficient to demonstrate the existence of god this truth of this demonstration will clearly appear provided we consider the nature of time or the duration of things for this is of such a kind that its parts are not mutually dependent and never co-existent and accordingly from the fact that we now are it does not necessarily follow that we shall be a moment afterwards unless some cause that is that which first produced us shall as it were continually reproduce us that is conserve us for we easily understand that there is no power in us by which we can conserve ourselves and that the being who has so much power as to conserve us out of himself must also by so much the greater reason conserve himself or rather stand in need of being conserved by no one whatever and in fine be god twenty two that in knowing the existence of god in the manner here explained we likewise know all his attributes as far as they can be known by the natural light alone there is the great advantage in proving the existence of god in this way that is by his idea that we at the same time know what he is as far as the weakness of our nature allows for reflecting on the idea we have of him which is born with us we perceive that he is eternal omniscient omnipotent the source of all goodness and truth creator of all things and that in fine he has in himself all that in which we can clearly discover any infinite perfection or good that is not limited by any imperfection twenty three that god is not corporeal and does not perceive by means of senses as we do or will the evil of sin for there are indeed many things in the world that are to a certain extent imperfect or limited though possessing also some perfection and it is accordingly impossible that any such can be god thus looking to corporeal nature since divisibility is included in local extension and this indicates imperfection it is certain that god is not body and although in men it is to some degree a perfection to be capable of perceiving by means of the senses nevertheless since in every sense there is passivity which indicates dependency we must conclude that god is in no manner possessed of senses and that he only understands and wills not however like us by acts in any way distinct but always by an act that is one identical and the simplest possible understands wills and operates all that is all things that in reality exist for he does not will the evil of sin seeing this is but the negation of being twenty four that in passing from the knowledge of god to the knowledge of the creatures it is necessary to remember that our understanding is finite and the power of god infinite but as we know that god alone is the true cause of all that is or can be 
we will doubtless follow the best way of philosophizing if from the knowledge we have of god himself we pass to the explication of the things which he has created and essay to deduce it from the notions that are naturally in our minds for we will thus obtain the most perfect science that is the knowledge of effects through their causes but that we may be able to make this attempt with sufficient security from error we must use the precaution to bear in mind as much as possible that god who is the author of things is infinite while we are wholly finite twenty five that we must believe all that god has revealed although it may surpass the reach of our faculties thus if perhaps god revealed to us or others matters concerning himself which surpass the natural powers of our mind such as the mysteries of the incarnation and of the trinity we will not refuse to believe them although we may not clearly understand them nor will we be in any way surprised to find in the immensity of his nature or even in what he has created many things that exceed our comprehension twenty six that it is not needful to enter into disputes regarding the infinite but merely to hold all that in which we can find no limits as indefinite such as the extension of the world the divisibility of the parts of matter the number of the stars etc we will thus never embarrass ourselves by disputes about the infinite seeing it would be absurd for us who are finite to undertake to determine anything regarding it and thus as it were to limit it by endeavouring to comprehend it we will accordingly give ourselves no concern to reply to those who demand whether the half of an infinite line is also infinite and whether an infinite number is even or odd and the like because it is only such as imagine their minds to be infinite who seem bound to entertain questions of this sort and for our part looking to all those things in which in certain senses we discover no limits we will not therefore affirm that they are infinite but will regard them simply as indefinite thus because we cannot imagine extension so great that we cannot still conceive greater we will say that the magnitude of possible things is indefinite and because a body cannot be divided into parts so small that each of these may not be conceived as again divided into others still smaller let us regard quantity as divisible into parts whose number is indefinite and as we cannot imagine so many stars that it would seem impossible for god to create more let us suppose that their number is indefinite and so in other instances twenty seven what difference there is between the indefinite and the infinite and we will call those things indefinite rather than infinite with the view of reserving to god alone the appellation of infinite in the first place because not only do we discover in him alone no limits on any side but also because we positively conceive that he admits of none and in the second place because we do not in the same way positively conceive that other things are in every part unlimited but merely negatively admit that their limits if they have any cannot be discovered by us twenty eight that we must examine not the final but the efficient causes of created things likewise finally we will not seek reasons of natural things from the end which god or nature proposed to himself in their creation that is final causes for we ought not to presume so far as to think that we are sharers in the counsels of deity but considering him as the efficient cause of all things let us endeavour to discover by the natural light which he has planted in us applied to those of his attributes of which he has been willing we should have some knowledge what must be concluded regarding those effects we perceive by our senses bearing in mind however what has already been said 
that we must only confide in this natural light so long as nothing contrary to its dictates is revealed by god himself twenty nine that god is not the cause of our errors the first attribute of god which here falls to be considered is that he is absolutely voracious and the source of all light so that it is plainly repugnant for him to deceive us or to be properly and positively the cause of the errors to which we are consciously subject for although the address to deceive seems to be some mark of subtlety of mind among men yet without doubt the will to deceive only proceeds from malice or from fear and weakness and consequently cannot be attributed to god thirty that consequently all which we clearly perceive is true and that we are thus delivered from the doubts above proposed whence it follows that the light of nature or faculty of knowledge given us by god can never compass any object which is not true in as far as it attains to a knowledge of it that is in as far as the object is clearly and distinctly apprehended for god would have merited the appellation of a deceiver if he had given us this faculty perverted and such as might lead us to take falsity for truth when we used it aright thus the highest doubt is removed which arose from our ignorance on the point as to whether perhaps our nature was such that we might be deceived even in those things that appear to us most evident the same principle ought also to be of avail against all the other grounds of doubting that have already been enumerated for mathematical truths ought now to be above suspicion since these are of the clearest and if we perceive anything by our senses whether while awake or asleep we will easily discover the truth provided we separate what there is of clear and distinct in the knowledge from what is obscure and confused there is no need that i should here say more on this subject since it has already received ample treatment in the metaphysical meditations and what follows will serve to explain it still more accurately End of section two.